Hey, hi, uh, I am Richard Donner, but you can call me Dick, and you're listening to Superman Movie Minute? Is that right? Did I do it right? another thrill-packed episode of Superman 3 Movie Minute, the show that scrutinizes, analyzes, and you'll believe a man can fly this 1983 Superman 3, five minutes at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Franklin, and joining me on this journey through time and space is... Rob Kelly. Hey, Rob, we're back, and, and we're still with uh, Ross the Boss, and uh, Gus, and Vera, and Lorelai, so... <laughs> We do at least get some Superman in these five minutes. We do. Superman appears, if briefly, he if appears briefly. in these five minutes. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we begin with Ross Webster praising his sister Vera for coming up with a scheme to take control of the world's oil supply. And in with Gus Gorman typing in the word tar. So... Uh, <laughs> One of the great moments in film history. That's right. Uh, so Gus Gorman walks out to the Sky Slope penthouse roof of of Ross Webster's high rise, which uh, Rob described last time. And he tells Ross, the boss, Vera and Lorelai that what has just happened is not his fault, uh, which they don't understand what he's talking about. Cause from what they know, everything's going great. Columbia has bit the dust. According to the news, he then begins to relay how Superman actually undid the Vulcan weather satellites destruction. Uh, so Rob, why wasn't this part of the broadcast? They were just watching. <laughs> I, when I rewatched this part of the movie, I and, and Gus starts talking about what Superman just did. I was like, is there, did I miss a scene? Like, what's, ha- what's he talking about? That didn't happen. And then as it rolled on, I realized, okay, they're intercutting Gus talking about what Superman did with essentially flashbacks, watching Superman do the thing that he's describing. And I, I couldn't, for the life of me, figure out why the movie was cut like this, why you would cut out the large chunk of Superman doing something and then have Richard Pryor, Gus describe it. And it makes me think, did they shoot all the stuff with, with Christopher Reeve and Superman doing all this? And then there was something wrong with the final footage or the effects or something. And they had to cut it way down to just these clips of Superman as you've got Gus narrating. Cause it's just a very curious directorial choice to not, have someone tell us what Superman's doing when you could have just show us. Yeah, and it also kind of, like I said, it kind of futzes with the timeline of the movie. Why wasn't, I mean, why would, I mean, I know this was before the 24, the dreaded 24-hour news cycle, but it, at least, you know, if they had updated information that Superman was down in Columbia undoing what they were talking about, wouldn't they have switched to uh, switched to that? I mean, if, if Gus saw it on the news that Superman had undid did what they had done, then wouldn't that have been in the broadcast they literally just turned off like two minutes ago? You know? (laughs) So I don't know if they, I don't, you know, I think it would have read better if we saw Gus and, and Lorelai and Vera watching this and if they wanted to do the way they did it and watching it somewhere else. And then they're celebrating on his ski slope when Gus comes out later and tells them, you know, they basically turned they they've turned the TV off and now, 
a few hours later they're celebrating and then he comes out and tells them uh you're you know a little premature in your celebration there i don't know yeah it's very strange it's very and i mean we get these brief little clips of superman doing stuff and it's like i haven't i feel like i haven't seen superman in this movie in a while (laughs) Uh, i mean i know really you just had the scene where he was at the picnic but it just feels like he's been gone for a while so like it's cool he's using his heat vision and He's going through the clouds and creating a vortex, which is a very 1970s Superman thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was cool to get to see that. And we only really see it from far away. We only see this tiny little animated figure of him sipping through a cloud and kind of turn, you know, whipping it around. Um, again, I could totally picture Kurt Swan's Superman doing something like that because he did it all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we just get little glimpses of it, which, again, makes me think like, I don't know. They, I think they thought we need more Richard Pryor, less Superman. Because it's again, it's just such a weird choice to have Richard Pryor describe something instead of just showing it to us full on. But it really makes me think they were like, you know what? People want to see Richard Pryor, and and the part where he pulls the uh, tablecloth out from under the table so he can make it into a cape. This feels like Richard Donner. Excuse me. Oh, not Richard Donner. Richard Lester kind of left Richard. Pryor, so many Richards in this movie. Uh, that Lester left Pryor kind of like almost dangling in the wind. Like it was almost like, all right, Richard, be funny. You know, just vamp and be funny. And like we were talking about in the a couple episodes ago, it's like, well, that's why you have writers. You know, I mean, I know you hired Richard Pryor because he's funny, but I mean, well, he shouldn't have to carry the whole movie by himself. Like, and he doesn't, unfortunately, because I don't think this whole, I don't think the sequence is funny at all, but it feels like they just turned the camera on. They're like, all right, Pryor, you earned your money. Here you go. Be funny. Yeah. I mean, he pulls the, you know, he pulls the table and he tries to do the ta-da and pulls the tablecloth out from underneath everything without, you know, pulling it off the table. And of course he fails. He pulls yeah. everything off and, and, you know, he's really excited to tell them all about what Superman did. He's jumping around and, and, uh, and you get that whole weird, a uh, couple of weird exchanges with him and Vera where he's basically, a, a, you know, a kind of humor that doesn't translate very well nowadays where he's basically, you know, he calls her man, you know, just yeah. in a casual. And then he you know, she gets upset with that. And then he, he, um, he talks about, you know, his, he used his heat vision, like those hand dryers in the men's room, which they have those in women's bathrooms too. I don't, I don't understand, <laughs> but she, she cuts him a look, which is like, yes, we know the joke is, Ooh, Vera's mannish, you know, which yeah. is like, eh, it doesn't age well. Uh, but, um, yeah, he, I think this would have worked like better if you could have kept kind of like what they did with the Vulcan satellite last time, where he's literally typing the commands over the scene of the satellite. They could have showed everything Superman did with Richard Pryor's narration, you know, but he was just be off screen, you know? Yep. And I mean, I think that would have, you know, worked better, but they, they mostly show Gus just jumping around and, you know, telling them what he did. And it's, you know, show don't tell people, you know, that's, (laughs) that's the first, uh, that's the first rule of storytelling. Right. Uh, So, or filmmaking anyway, show don't tell. So yeah, I, I, this whole, the, the whole thing, you know, everybody always remembers, and we'll get to a part that everybody does, does remember, definitely. Hmm. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, it's, that had to be what it was. It's like literally, unless, like you said, they went down to, and I don't know, it might have been one of those cases where they actually went to South America and filmed some of that because they did that in the first Superman movie. They actually went, didn't they go to Hawaii and film the part where, uh, or Superman 2, I'm sorry, where Superman 2, where, uh, he, uh, it was actually filmed by Donner, I think, though, where they he goes to um, 
and gets the flowers for Lois on their date in the fortress. So I think so. Yeah. Yeah. They went to yeah Hawaii or something like that. One of the Pacific islands and, and, and did that. And so maybe they did that here, but it's like, if they did that just for this minuscule footage. And, and one thing that gets me is Gus describes it almost as if he was there, you know, it's, yeah. like, is he right. like how, did he, how did he see any of this? Yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's I, I know like found footage was <laughs> we're a little bit away from found footage. Obviously, there'd been found footage and other things before, but before it becoming a thing. But, you know, we already saw we well, we saw Superman's rescue uh, caught on TV cameras in the first movie, you know, the next the night after his big rescue and everything the next morning. And so, I mean, a little a little a footage of Superman, like actually on a TV would have, would have helped too, you know, just to, to show that this is how Gus saw this. Right. Cause how did he see Superman flying? I mean, like the aerial shot of Superman flying toward the clouds and you know, all that yeah, stuff. It's baffling. It's completely baffling. <laughs> and it leads um, to, it leads to a gag that I don't think is funny at all where Ross pounds his chair and he collapses it. And it's just like, he just looks like a goof, you know, yeah. he, look, he doesn't look, fearsome or menacing he looks like it looks like an idiot yeah that's i mean i yeah that that is i mean you wouldn't catch lex luthor doing that you know i mean nope. uh and i mean that's the thing i mean yes lex could be funny uh but gene hackman himself lex luthor was never made an a, a buffoon on screen even yep. with the phantom zone villains i mean oh yeah they tossed him around a little bit but he uh-huh. always had a a pithy line back to them if they, uh, whenever they did something, you know, m- you know, even though it was probably, they could have, you know, he visioned his head off at any moment, yeah. but, but, uh, <laughs> so after, after Gus is, uh, through with his, uh, jumping around, telling about, you know, Superman's bad, you know, which I think made it into one of the trailers, if I remember right. Uh, <laughs> hmm. um, you know, Ross and Vera discuss how to keep Superman out of their affairs and, uh, Lorelai suggests kryptonite. Much to Vera's surprise, which this is one of the first glimpse we see that Lorelai is way smarter than uh, than she lets on. Which yep. I, yep. Yeah, she's playing the dumb bunny, but uh, she's actually, you know, actually quite intelligent. So, uh, uh, you know, I, I wish they'd done more with that, actually. And in fact, you know, at the beginning of these minutes, when, you know, Vera is the one that suggests that they go after the oil. I think we brought up in a previous episode, it kind of would have been a neat trick to show that Vera really was the brains behind this operation. Like she had, she had more of a, a malevolent streak than her brother did, you know, yeah, that would have been a fun angle to play. Yeah. Plus, I mean, her fate at the end of the movie would have been mm. you know, even more deserved because she that's true. Been, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, she basically used, used him, he's running the company, but if she basically used him to, uh, um, put her uh, more lofty and evil schemes in play. I think it would have read better. So they they should have done a little bit more with the with these uh, these two female characters here. But maybe we're just expecting too much out of 1983. Honestly. Maybe, but that's a really fun idea. I I never thought about that, but that's a really fun idea, and it even kind of plays into what we talked about a bunch of episodes ago, where um, Ross Webster was talking about you know I don't know what they do with my socks. Like he's kind of just like a clueless rich guy. Yeah, and that would have been a really interesting angle to play that his two associates, his sister and his presumably kind of his uh, side piece, not his side piece, his his sort of uh, arm candy, uh, Lorelai, are actually much more kind of malevolent and are pulling the strings of Ross Webster. That would have been a really fun 
way to set this up. I like Chris. Where were you at the time when they were writing this? I really I don't know. Imagine, we keep bringing up Michael Keaton's Batman in this movie for some reason, but imagine his Bruce Wayne. Uh, you know, the distracted Bruce Wayne of Michael Keaton's portrayal. You know, having somebody just that he's if he's not Batman, if he really is that way all the time. Imagine that oh. guy being directed into doing something evil even though he's not a bad guy you know yeah. I mean, it's kind of the same thing <laughs> that's co- I, I really like that a lot i know that you don't want to review the movie you you want to see because you have to review the movie you're, you've got but as we are trying to figure out where this movie goes wrong that's a really that yeah if you're going to just have ross webster be a basically a, a, a xerox clone of lex luthor do something different with it and make him the puppet of the two that really would i i I'm sitting here I'm like this. That movie would this movie would have been a lot better if they had done that. It would have been really cool. <laughs> uh, you know, and, they, and and they do have some. You know, of course, Vera and Lorelai hate each other, so that would have been even more fun, right? So, I, yeah. I, the, the exchange where uh, you know she she asked her, well, "How do you know about kryptonite?" Oh, I know a few things, and Vera responds, "So I understand from the graffiti I've seen." Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I, I got I got a comment on this, and I'm not going to name any names, but Cindy. Once saw such graffiti on a bathroom stall in a nearby town. It was about a friend of ours. Oh my! <laughs> a male wow. friend of ours. A male friend of ours. Yeah. A male and, friend. That's yeah. Unusual. Yeah. It was like you know, it was in a girl's bathroom and a women's bathroom, and uh, yeah, it was for a good time call, and it was our friend, and it was his phone number. Uh, wow! <laughs> I never knew those were real things. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I mean, he was quite a player, so uh, oh, I can well, see there you go. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, Gus jumps on in on the Exposition News Network, copyright Michael Bailey, and tells of how kryptonite came from Krypton, which exploded when Superman was sent to Earth. Uh, and this is all while he futzes around with Lorelai's skis and climbs up the slope just a bit. But uh, I don't know, did that... I, I don't know. That just seemed like a real line read when Richard Pryor said that. I, I don't know. It just like I, when I watched it this time, I'm like, it didn't seem like Gus was like, oh, yeah, yeah. I read that one time. Uh, Superman like came from Krypton and when it blew up all this, you know, uh, you know, that that's yeah, it just it just seemed like, why well, yes, Superman comes from the planet Krypton. You know, just, <laughs> I don't know. It just it didn't that didn't bother me that much. I, I hear what you're saying. I the part about that I liked is that. It's a direct referral to the first movie, which is the interview that Lois does. And so I like, I always like when the movies are establishing that this is a through line between all three. I mean, obviously it is because it's Christopher Reeve as Superman, but just the fact that that article by Lois was like still looms large in the public consciousness enough that Lorelai can quote from it. Um, now I, we can see, obviously, it was a horrible mistake for <laughs> Superman to give that interview and yeah. reveal that he has any weaknesses at all or even where he's from. You need to, you know, uh, but nevertheless, can't like, see through lead. Yeah. Can't see through lead. <laughs> Don't tell people that. Why would you tell them that? Uh, but, but I just thought, all right, nice touch that they're referring to an event that we in fact did see. Yeah, it, it was, it was, it was nice. It was a nice callback and, and, and more of a callback to Lois than we'll actually get through the bulk of this movie really. Pretty much. Uh, so, yeah. so yeah, pretty much. Uh, Ross suggests Gus use the Vulcan satellite to probe the site of Krypton's destruction, examine the debris, and use the info to make their own batch of kryptonite. Now, I, that's actually a pretty clever plan. I, you know, that's I, 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 that checks with comic book science. Okay, uh, yeah. but do do you think they maybe should have tried to find some kryptonite on Earth? Maybe go to Addis Ababa. Right. Uh, yeah, I don't know why they need to go. Why not just? 
hey, why not? There's some of it on Earth, as we know, so why not just do that? But boy, that Vulcan weather satellite is pretty powerful. Yeah, I mean, it can hear all the way into where Krypton was, which is like billions of miles away. Yeah, it can, it can, it can, it can go through whatever kind of space warp that they had to send the ship through. To <laughs> I don't know if they did in this version, but we kind of speculated they did. I mean, that's definitely a thing now, you know. That yep. and all the kryptonite comes with them, and there comes eleven, ten seasons of Smallville, right? So, right, right. <laughs> Gus tells Ross he thinks he deserves a raise, to which Ross responds, "If there's one thing he hates, it's greed." Uh, and, and again, you know, but I wish they played around more with Ross being self delusional like this. You know, I mean, that would have been like, you know, if they didn't go the round of, of that he's like this kind of hapless guy that's being led around by the nose by these two women, then they, they could have went the route of he really doesn't get how bad he is. You know, that would have been another nice angle to go with with it. And I yep. mean, you know, you can. Well, let's not get into that, but you know, you can, yeah. <laughs> there's obviously maybe some people in the world like that, that have a lot of money. I'm just saying, so mm-hmm. <laughs> you've, you've, you've ordered from them probably today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it would have added him a little extra dimension, but Gus is taken aback by Ross's response, but he's got bigger concerns because he starts to careen down the slope and exclaims he can't ski. He flies through very, very flimsy lattice guardrails around wow. the roof. Yeah. Yeah. And flies off the building, dropping at least 30 floors. I counted. There's at least 30 floors before he lands on another roof, presumably maybe the lobby roof. And he slides down it onto the street below. He then nonchalantly walks across the street through traffic and he turns back to look at the skyscraper in awe that he survives. So, Rob, thoughts. Oh my God! Okay, the, the, what? Uh, this joke is so terrible. Um, it makes me think of what you said in the previous episode about the the streetlight gag. Where, yeah, this wasn't an ad lib that they concocted on the on the set, and they just stuck it in the movie. And you might say, ah, that doesn't really work. Well, yeah, but they thought about it for five seconds and it went in the movie. And so the streetlight gag took a lot longer. They had to write it, they had to animate it, they had to do all these things. And through at no point through that whole process. Did somebody say, this is horribly unfunny. Let's not do this. So you just take that and maximize it by a million. And you have this scene. This scene involves stunt work, um, mat work. The writers had to write it. Um, you had to do all these different, you had to build this other set with the roof. You had to have a stuntman land on the street. And all of this stuff for a really pain, painfully unfunny moment. I mean, again, this is, we are now in a cartoon world. We are now in Bugs Bunny world where, you know, people can run through walls or people can uh, run off a cliff and not fall until they've noticed that they're off a cliff. <laughs> we are, we are at that level of cartoon here. And it's a shame because it's a Superman movie, especially one featuring Christopher Reeve, who delivered, you know, the, one of the great comic book movie performances of, of all time, um, deserves better. It is the, 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 the human elements that – we keep going back to this – but the human elements that Christopher Eve and Annette O'Toole brought to this movie deserve better than the slapsticky idiocy of the Richard Pryor scenes. It's, it's too bad. I mean, think about – I don't know. For some reason, it's jumped in out of my mind. Think about the scenes between uh, Jeff East and, and, uh, 
and Ma Glenn Kent Ford, there. Glenn Ford and stuff. Glenn yeah. Ford and, and, and even, I, I don't know, for some reason, the, the scene at his funeral and then mm-hmm. the scene where Ma, Ma Kent and Clark, young Clark, are in the, the wheat fields. And then imagine this. I yeah. mean, <laughs> yep. Yep. we've gone from this human, very emotional epic to this. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, yeah, this is, this is a notorious scene. Um, and the thing again, Richard Pryor, like you said before, not a physical comedian. No, not, I don't know why movies kept giving him physical stick to play. That was not his forte, and that was not what made him famous, and that wasn't what made him funny. I don't know why Hollywood was so, you know, just like, make him be wacky. It's like, Richard Pryor's not wacky, but okay. Yeah, I mean, you, you, I mean, you knew Richard Pryor was in this. I mean, he's on the poster in Superman's arms. He's got that look on his face like, oh, God, I'm flying. I'm going to fall, which is, you know, I mean, okay. They, they made a decision to, to put Richard Pryor in this movie. So people buying a ticket knew Richard Pryor was in this movie, but I'm not, I don't know, you know, and, and, and the look on his face and in the trailers and everything, you could, you could tell this wasn't going to be him in a dramatic role. This wasn't going to be Richard Pryor. Like, although you, like you pointed out when we first started this, he had done dramatic roles. Mm -hmm. This wasn't going to be him in a dramatic role, but this still isn't a Richard Pryor type comedy. Even, I mean, the comedy that's injected to this isn't his brand. I mean, I know they couldn't do Richard Pryor's real brand of comedy, no. or it wouldn't be a PG a PG mm. movie. We keep saying nope. PG thirteen, a PG movie. But again, this is another one of those cases. Like, who paid this? Who paid to see this and expected a scene like this? That's so. I mean, there's no way that anybody dropping from thirty stories and would he would have he would have survived that fall. I mean, when he hit the second roof, he would have went straight through the glass and been dead. Yes. I mean, there's no, there's no way. I mean, it, you can buy a man. I mean, if you tell me this Superman's from Krypton, he can fly he has heat vision, all this stuff. There's a suspension of disbelief. Okay. I buy that. But Gus Gorman is a normal human being. He yep. cannot survive this type of, of thing. And it's, it, it's so silly. It's like, okay, it was eccentric to have a ski slope on a roof, but then all you have is a lattice around it. I mean, yeah, you have no, yeah, you don't build any security to stop you from that exact thing happening. Right. It's just so, again, with you, it's just, it's it's amazing to think nobody, and I mean, I don't know about you, but it actually looks like a good chunk of that is literally a stunt man on a wire being dropped down a building. I mean, that's yep. what it looks like. Yep. So it's like, that was a huge Heck, it might have been, uh, I'm sure it was an African-American stunt. I mean, I was thinking it might be Fred Waugh that did all those Spider-Man stunts for the Nicholas hmm. Hammond show. But because he was, you know, big on that type of stuff. But, um, I mean, that was a huge setup. I mean, like you said, it, it's just, it, it's a baffling that's, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's, it's just baffling. And I, and I hate to be, I hate to be this negative. We don't want to be this negative. But these, it's going to get better, folks. But yes, yes, this is the yeah. nadar of this the, this film. I think this is this is the this is this is the, the these two these last five these last ten minutes these minutes in the next. There, I, I I could be wrong, but I think these are the low the low points of the film for me. Yeah, I, I think so. I think looking back, I think this is this whole section is the maybe the worst part of it. I mean, there's some there's some other silly stuffs coming up. The whole general scene is a little hard Ugh, to yeah, deal with. Oh, I forgot but, about that. Yeah. Yeah. But, but at least Christopher Reeves in those scenes, you know, so um, it's just yeah. like a, yeah. you can just look at Christopher Reeves standing in the Superman suit and go, Oh, Hey, look at Superman. Uh, mm. so, <laughs> uh, yeah. 
Well, moving on, we see that the Vulcan satellite in, in space again. And again, looks really nice. Vulcan satellite effects done really, really well. So, uh, and then Gus is working his mutant computing powers at, uh, at a you know computer to get the satellite to analyze deep space. I mean, we, we see a laser beam shoot off into space. And like you said, man, that's got quite a reach. Uh, and then we get an ingredient list for homemade kryptonite. Uh, <laughs> so in case you want to make your own batch, the ingredients are uh, plutonium, 15.8%, uh, tantalum, 18.06%, xenon, 27.71%, Prometheum, 24.02%. Isn't that that stuff from the Blue Beetle comic? I don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, Dialium, I think that's what Robbie Reed's dial is made of, 10.62%. Uh, Mercury, 3.94%. And then unknown, 0.57%. Uh, so there's an unknown element. And since Gus doesn't know what that unknown element is, he looks at his pack of Camel cigarettes, product placement. Nice, big, juicy close-up of a camel pack yeah marlboro must have pulled out since last yeah year. exactly these superman movies love cigarettes they sure do and uh gus types in one of the ingredient ingredients on the cigarette pack and that is tar and that's how our minutes end so they were 99.43 percent there rob and we'll see how this fake kryptonite works it's all gonna go <laughs> great on. i think so too yep. <laughs> Uh, it's that, uh, you know, Colonel, Colonel Sanders secret recipe there, I guess, uh, uh KFC product placement. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so you got anything else to add about these minutes? No, <laughs> dear God. No. <laughs> Get us to the evil Superman scenes. Well, for the love of Pete. <laughs> for the love of God. Can, can Lana Lang just walk by or something happen? Come on. Well, there's a net tool. Where's. Superman fight in a junkyard. Get yeah. us there. Oh, Get God. us there. Oh, my God. Yeah, you'll be great again, Superman. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so with that, we're going to call this one a uh, stick a fork in this one. Uh, be sure to check out the other fine shows on our network at firewaterpodcast.com, including several Rob and myself hosts. We'd love to read your comments on Superman 3 over at firewaterpodcast.com. And if you did enjoy Richard Pryor falling off a building, Again, like we said last time, let us know. I mean, if you thought, when, even if it was when you were a kid and you just loved it and you thought it was hilarious and you remember like, oh, Richard Pryor's funny because he fell off that building that time. That's great. Let us know. We want to hear that. So, And may uh, Rayo have mercy on your soul. <laughs> I was going to say no judgment, but obviously uh, Rob's going to be. A little, little bit of judgment. A little, little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, special thanks to Alex Robinson and Pete the Retailer of Star Wars Minute for starting the whole Movies by Minute phenomenon. Check out all the shows they have helped inspire over at moviesbyminute.com. Extra special thanks to all the patrons of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. If you would like to support the network financially, go to patreon.com slash fwpodcast. There you can find many ways you can help keep the network going, including support levels. That gets you a special shout out on the show of your choice, like Superman's pal, Henry Bernstein, who supports Superman Movie Minute. So thank you, Henry. Thank you, Henry. Yes. Join our never-ending battle here next week on Superman 3 Movie Minute as the adventure continues. Bye. Giorgio, per favore. E grazie.